The Real Investment Show. The show, of course, uh, so we get this Thursday's second best day of the week underway, of course, as always. Uh, Michael Leibowitz joining us uh, today as well to pick up a little bit on what's happening, you know, really kind of across financial markets and, uh, you know, more importantly, interest rates, Federal Reserve, etc. A lot of stuff to kind of unpack today. We've got some, uh, we've got to talk a little bit about the semiconductor market. Um, we're going to do that in the next segment, what's going on there, because uh, some interesting, uh, very interesting interview with the CEO of Intel and uh, talking about the chip problem that currently exists and how long that may last. And of course, this is really impacting a lot of areas of the market from you know automobile production to computers to et cetera. Um, and this is all part of that supply chain issue that, as I was just uh, you know commenting about a second ago, the supply chain issue is affecting everything, right? I mean, now now prison you know prisons can't get lethal injection drugs, so they're having to opt for firing squads. You know, this is the you know we're seeing some of the the most some of the strangest you know effects of supply chain disruption that you know it's kind of prior covid shutdown was was you know something that nobody would even fathom <laughs> could, could occur right. but that's what's going on uh michael Leibowitz, welcome to the show this morning how are you good good thank you for having me good um okay so a couple of things um one uh, it was interesting janet yellen out earlier this week she uh she she she's become quite the acrobat. Um, apparently, she can flip flop in one day. And she started out in the morning talking about the fact that maybe the Fed needs to hike rates. The market sold off sharply. And uh, by the afternoon, she's like, no, no, I was just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Really wasn't saying that at all. You completely misunderstood me. Um, but we've actually seen this. It's not just yelling. We've actually seen a couple of Fed members coming out talking about, you know, one will say, hey, we need to maybe think about hiking rates and tapering QE. And then one comes right behind him and says, no, 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 we're not even thinking about thinking about thinking. I don't know what that guy's talking about. Um, it seems to be a, quite a bit of dissent going on now, but even but not only within the Fed itself, but also between the Fed and the Treasury. Yeah, I thought what happened with Yellen uh, yesterday, two, day, two days ago, I guess it was, was probably one of the most important things you can watch in the markets over the last few weeks. Janet Yellen was the Fed chairman, Fed chairwoman from the, you know, post Bernanke until Powell. Now she's the Treasury secretary, very powerful woman. She knows how the Fed works inside and out. She speaks for the administration, the executive branch, which some will say, myself included, owns the Federal Reserve at this point or comes about as close to owning the Federal Reserve. Um, so things that she says matters, but it, it, it's Janet Yellen basically came out and said, if the economy overheats, interest rates can rise or will rise. That's the truth. You know, there's nothing she said there that that isn't known. Right. That's mm -hmm. how it's gone on for since the history in 19 when the Fed started in 1913, the history of the Fed. So what Janet Yellen said was, yes, that's obvious. And then quickly, two hours later, she had an interview <laughs> or a speech and she 
redacted everything. Well, remember, goes, I don't, wait, 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 but let's be clear. She said that, and then two hours later, the NASDAQ was down 2%. The S&P right, was down right. well over 1%, and right. then she redacted her statement. Right. So bottom line is, look, we, we've talked about this. Yeah. This market is not where it's at on valuations. It's not where it's at on economic forecasts. It's not... The only thing supporting at this level are flows, cash flows. Mm -hmm. And what supports that? It's QE and it's what the Fed is doing. So any sign that the Fed may have to slow up to any degree, I mean, even when she just said the truth, is going to become problematic for the market. And that's what we saw. And this is the trap that we've been talking about for a long time that the Fed is going to find themselves in very shortly. And what's funny is I've heard one after another Fed member come out and say, we we do expect some really short-term spikes in inflation, but it's transitory. If it's not transitory, temporary, we have the tools for that. Of course, they have the tools <laughs> for that. But are you willing to use the tools for that? Because the tool for that is essentially kicking the legs out of the stock market, right? It, right. It's, it's, it's reducing QE. It's raising rates. And that's everything that brought the stock market to where it at, is. So there's no doubt the Fed could temper inflation. Right. Mm -hmm. That that's 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 possible. What's not possible is that they will allow the carnage in the financial markets to occur that they would likely bring on. So what does the Fed do? And that's, uh, you know, I think what we saw with Janet Yellen just accentuates that problem and shows you how uh, how uh, severe it is, how much pressure there is and how little room there is for them to make any kind of comment that mm -hmm. that says that QE may not be permanent. Well, and this, I think this is the, you know, one of the, the potential risk of the market ultimately is that the market, you know, may well start creating the problem for the Fed. In other words, interest rates start rising, you know, on the 10-year Treasury because of higher rates of inflation. And, you know, the Federal Reserve should, you know, look, the, there's no reason for the Federal Reserve to do what they do. Um, if you go back in history, ever since the Fed has become active, um, in the financial markets and really in the economy in terms of raising and lowering interest rates and trying to follow their mandates of full employment and interest rates. Um, they've created financial crisis after financial crisis after financial crisis. Um, and, you know, really what it's led to is a much bigger disparity of wealth gap in the economy and, and a whole variety of others. It's not just them, it's, a, it's other factors as well. But, you know, the Fed plays a very big part of this. And a lot of the mentality right now is, is like, hey, the stock market can't go down as long as the Fed's printing money. That's great. Certainly understand that. That's just exacerbating the wealth gap. But, you know, honestly, there's really no need for them to intervene. If markets were allowed to function on their own, yeah, sure, markets wouldn't be at 4,000 on the S&P. It'd probably be around 2,000 right now. But that's where valuations predict they should be. Um, but, you know, things would probably be a whole lot healthier within the economy, a much better distribution of equality in the economy, uh, stronger economic growth. <laughs> we wouldn't have five banks that make up the entire financial sector for the most part. Um, you have a much better distribution of business structures and much healthier business structures as well. So, you know, really, if we look back at the history of the Fed and what they've done for the for the economy, it really hasn't been something that they should be proud of. Um, you know, yes, they've right. boosted asset markets, but they really haven't increased the health and economic prosperity of the country 
as a whole. But this is but this is the trap they're in, right? They they can't if they raise rates and if they taper, the market falls off the cliff, and then consumer confidence falls. You're in a recession, and companies start going bankrupt, and everybody runs to the Fed back for for bailouts. So you know we've just right. we've put this um, you know that we've enabled this cycle of government support. And that's something we're actually going to touch on in the next segment about the semiconductor industry. You know, companies are now dependent upon the government for money. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll talk about that next. But the government or the Federal Reserve has put markets at levels that are not natural. And by natural, I mean, that's where they would not be trading if they weren't involved. Mm -hmm. So for them to become uninvolved, those markets have to go back to levels that the free market would find as fair value. And that's 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 where we're at now. We're at a plane flying at over 50,000 feet, right? And it should only be at 20,000 feet. Right. The, the question is, how does the Fed kind of pull themselves out of that equation? Oh, well, they can't. And they can't. But and it's and not and because, it, and let's and, be honest, it's not just the Fed. It's, it's the and, European Central Bank. It's the Bank of Japan. Of it's course. the Bank of China. It's everybody. And, and we know there's a lot of turbulence right ahead, right? We know there's going to be some very significant, infl you know, some big inflation numbers mm -hmm. in the next few months. It, that's just built in, right? Everyone's expecting it. The question is, and our, our colleague Nick asked me this the other day, and I thought it was a brilliant question. I really don't have an answer. He goes, Mike, how long is transitory? You and, you and Lance keep saying transitory. The Fed keeps saying transitory. Everyone mm -hmm. says transitory. I said, Nick, I don't know. It could be two months. It could be five months. But the problem is every month beyond every month it keeps going on. People are going to start saying maybe it's not transitory. Maybe it's permanent. And if it's permanent, that has huge repercussions for for everything. Well, right? I, th I think we need to define what transitory is and, and versus non-transitory. So first of all, when when companies raise prices, those aren't transitory. Companies don't lower prices once they raise them as a function, right? So, uh, for instance, uh, Procter & Gamble just recently increased the price of paper towels by shrinking the number of towels that you get, right? So now there's 20 fewer sheets in that roll. As soon as people get used to buying paper towels with 20 fewer sheets, then there's no reason for Procter & Gamble, even if prices fall on lumber and, and wood products, et cetera, that go into making paper towels, they're not going to increase the number of sheets because now their profit margin goes up. So that right. permanent rate of in, that inflation remains permanent. When we're talking about transitory, though, we're, we're talking about, I think, and, and, and to clarify that term, when I'm talking about transitory is that when you see spiking levels of inflation, that is transitory because what's going to happen is that you're going to trigger an economic slowdown, which contracts consumer spending because of higher prices. And then that's going to lead to a deflationary push within the economy. And you're going to see inflationary pressures overall come down. And a lot of that is going to come through reduced wage growth. And you'll see wage growth start to drop, which is going to be deflationary across the economy. So that is going to be transitory, but when companies raise prices or, or impact you through way, uh, through shrinkflation, which is giving you less for the same amount of money, that never changes. <laughs> right, right. And, and the question will be is how long does this last? Are we going to see this little spike for weeks and months? Right. You know, will will it subside by July, August? Probably and not. How will the what's that? <laughs> it's probably not. <laughs> It's probably going to be Who with knows, us for right. several, quite a few months, but it, it, it could be. Yeah. And every and and the longer it lasts, the more concern 
everyone's going to have, including the Fed. And I think the more this happens, the more people are going to question the Fed. And I think number one on that list are is uh, Washington yeah, senators and representatives because they have to represent their people that are now paying a lot more for food. Well, let's talk about when we come back from the break. You know, one thing that has been uh, going up a lot in price have been automobiles, uh, computers, everything using a semiconductor. We'll come back. We'll talk about a very interesting interview between Leslie Stahl and the um, CEO of Intel. Uh, talking about the semiconductor problem. So we'll kind of unpack that a little bit. And he also makes some interesting comments about, you know, government role. So we'll, we'll talk about all that when we come back with Michael Leibowitz. Don't go away. Listen any place, anytime at realinvestmentadvice.com. We're going for the best on our next Candid Coffee with Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff, Saturday, May 22nd. The best accounts to save, the best accounts to invest. Investments are one thing. The vehicles you place them in can be quite another. Which are the best for you? Learn about the best types of accounts to save for healthcare, retirement, and emergency reserves on our next Candid Coffee with Ratliff and Rosso, Saturday, May 22nd. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. realinvestmentadvice.com. 